in the beginning, the world was dark. That's what the very first sentence of the Bible says. It says, in the beginning, darkness was over the surface of the deep. Much darker than it is here tonight on this night before Christmas. Can you think about a time when you were in complete, utter darkness? I mean, literally dark, all right? Where were you when you experienced the most darkness you've ever experienced before? I was in Yellowstone National Park. Anybody been to Yellowstone? Yeah? Uh, my wife and I were living there for a summer, and uh, I'd taken a five-minute drive deep into the night to the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. Now, on this holy set-apart space, life pollution is not a thing. So on this particular night, the, the, the usual comforting presence of the, the stars and the moon were, were hidden by the clouds. So when I stepped out of the car and heard the rush of the waterfall, all I saw was darkness, complete, utter darkness. In the beginning, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Let me ask you again, can you think of a time when you were in complete, utter darkness? Now I don't mean literally, but metaphorically, even spiritually. We all experience darkness in our lives, don't we? We've also developed strategies for avoiding the recollection of such darkness. But at what cost? I'm inclined to believe we do ourselves and our souls a grave disservice when we ignore the darkness in our lives. When we hide it instead of bringing it to the light. Whenever we hide our depression behind a smile, whenever we mask our shame with accomplishments, whenever we pretend like things are fine this Christmas, like our health is fine, like our family is fine, like the world is fine, when things are clearly not. Avoiding the darkness is harmful, I think. And I believe this not just because I've seen it in the scriptures, though I have, not just because I've read about it in psychology books, though I have. I believe this because I am personally well-skilled in the art of avoidance. <laughs> I have expended vast amounts of energy attempting to avoid the darkness in my life. However, all it has done for me is leave me confused, exhausted, and ashamed. Do you know the feeling? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. On this magical night of Christmas Eve, God looks out over the darkness of our world and into the darkness of each of our souls. And God says, let there be light. At least that's what the eyewitness John communicates in the opening of his gospel. So I'm here tonight simply to help us see what John saw when he considered the birth of Christ from the perspective of eternity. 
So we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. Let's pause there for now. This is the word of the Lord. John, the man who wrote these words in the first century, is a poet. The other gospel writers, Luke and Matthew, are storytellers. They tell the Christmas story as, well, a story. They use ordinary prose to tell the extraordinary story of Jesus' birth. Now, we all love stories, don't we? (laughs) And we all love these familiar Christmas stories like the ones the kids so beautifully read. For many of us, these stories carry a sort of nostalgic, sentimental value. So it was at the time of John's writing, late in the first century. Church folk already knew the Christmas story from the perspective of the parents and the shepherds. But now it's time, when John's writing, now it's time, God knows, to tell the story from a higher perspective. And for that, God needs a poet. Therefore, God hires John to employ the language of poetry to tell the Christian story, the Christmas story, from the vantage point of heaven. And so John begins, as we read, at the beginning. I mean, at the very beginning, before our whole universe was in a hot, dense space, or whatever else it might have been in. John begins before anything happened, as we understand happenings, John begins before there was a story to tell, even before time itself was created. He begins where Genesis began. Say it with me. In the beginning. That was a little weak. (laughs) Genesis says, in the beginning, God created. John says, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Genesis says, in the beginning, darkness was over the face of the earth, and God said, let there be light. John says, everything came into being through the Word, and what has come into being was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never extinguish the light. Poetry can be confusing, can't it? Though I find much value in poetry, my own attempts at reading poetry are often short-lived. I get all excited. I'm going to get into these these wonderful poets, and then after a day, I quit. (laughs) Most of us prefer stories, like ones with angels and shepherds and, and with all eyes on the babe in the manger. But John gives us a Christmas poem. It's a poem about light and darkness, and all eyes, instead of being on the babe in the manger, all eyes are on what he calls the Word. So what is John talking about? 
How does this poem relate to Christmas? What is the word, anyways? Perhaps the most important question in our own current state of darkness is this. How does the word bring life and light to all people? Because I don't know about you, but I sure could use a little more light and life in my life. So in Luke's narrative, all eyes are on the babe in the manger. In John's poem, all eyes are on the word. And this is no accident. The claim of the poet is this. The newborn in the manger is the eternal word through whom all things were born. The one who entered the human stage in Bethlehem is the very one who created the stage in the first place. The baby Jesus, the baby Jesus held in his mother's arms is the one who was with God in the beginning, holding the universe in his hands. Or as my prayer app said this morning, into this mess comes our God. And the way that God comes is literally in baby steps. John's claim is that Jesus is the God-man. The paradox seems impossible. That's why God reveals it in poetry. But let's get back to the most pressing concerns for us today in the year 2021. John's prologue promises, remember, it promises life and light. Verse 4. What came into being through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. What's promised is life and light. And yet, we still live in a world of death and darkness. We still live in a world of trauma and tribulation. We still live in a world of catastrophic weather and maxed out hospitals and an unruly virus that just won't relent. I don't know how many of you have walked into an ICU lately, but the scene is nothing short of tragic. Children pacing out of the room in tears, patients full of regrets and remorse, nurses unnerved and exhausted. All this talk of life and light, well, where is it? Is it anywhere to be found in such a time as this. Let's at least go looking for it in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Picking up where we left off in verse 6, hear the word of the Lord. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify to the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. He's talking about Jesus. <laughs> the light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world did not recognize the light. The light came to his own people, his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who, who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. And the Word became flesh and made his home among us. 
We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the beginning, God's word brings light and life to birth, according to Genesis. And in this new beginning, the word becomes flesh, according to John. And when the word becomes flesh, light and life emerge anew, like a bear from a long winter's hibernation. You see, there is a light so luminous that makes the darkness hide in fear. What is this light? It is the face of Jesus Christ, a face glowing with the glory of the Heavenly Father, full of grace and truth. But if this is true, if, if life and light were birthed anew when the Word became flesh 2,000 years ago, then the question hangs on and lingers. Why all the death and darkness in our present state of affairs? Verse 10 hints at a reason. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but, listen to this, but the world didn't recognize the light. In other words, the world preferred the darkness to the light. What's more, verse 11, the light came to his own people, but even his own people didn't welcome him. Do you know what it's like to feel like you're not welcomed? Jesus did. So why all the death and darkness? Because like nocturnal creatures, we have preferred the darkness of sin over the light of love. We see this deference to darkness most clearly towards the end of Jesus' life, where the newborn king that was born in the manger is now crowned with thorns and crucified. We see this deference to darkness most clearly when the Roman soldiers spit in the face of the king of glory. We see this deference to darkness in us too whenever we prefer grudges over forgiveness, greed over gratitude, and selfishness over self-giving love. But the good news for us and our world still stands. Because joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And the good news, the real good news is this, the Lord keeps coming at us each and every day, if we but have eyes to see and ears to hear. What will make Christ coming good news to us is if we recognize him as the light. What will make Christ coming good news for us is if we, is if we welcome him as the light. What will make Christ coming good news for us is if we believe and trust in his name. If we but recognize, welcome, and believe in the light, what comes next is nothing short of a virgin birth-styled miracle in our lives. For as we recognize, welcome, and believe, the newborn that we're gathered here today to celebrate, the newborn through whom the world is reborn, 
will authorize us to become the children of God. As we recognize, welcome, and believe, the one born through Mary's blood is birthed anew through Jesus' blood. As we recognize, welcome, and believe, the word that becomes flesh in Jesus becomes enfleshed in our own lives through the Spirit. And like a butterfly emerging from its cocoon, our souls are finally free to fly and free to love and free to be loved without all the insecurity and shame that plagues us. When we recognize and welcome and believe in the light, the light makes its presence known even in the dark even in the dark, despairing depths of our souls, and the darkness begins to scatter. And in the end, when the Lord gathers together all the light bearers of the world, something our candlelight uh, singing of Silent Night will remind us of later, when the Lord gathers all the light bearers of the world together, as he is already doing and one day will complete, mark my words, darkness will be damned. The destroyer will be destroyed, and the whole world will be filled once and for all with the brightness of the glory of God emanating from the face of the newborn in the manger, who is the word of life and light, the Christ we call Jesus. It is this Jesus we worship on this most holy night. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. On this holy night, Lord, we come to you with all our hopes, all our despair, all within us that is shining with light and life, and all within us that is dark and paralyzed and cold. We come to you on this most holy night, some of us unsure of what to think of the light. Even so, Lord, we pray that the light of Christ would shine in our world and in our hearts and in our families and in our neighborhood that all may know the glory of the newborn King of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.